Welcome to the Granite Gals podcast. This is the podcast where we interview female hikers who hike the right mountains. I am Alexandra Her, And I am Sage Her. We are 14 and 12 year old hikers who have been hiking the 4,000 footers since we were little. We have done the 4,000 footers, the 52 with the view, trail rights, and many other mountains. The opinions that we personally express in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of our interviewee or of any organizations we may mention. Hello everyone. Today we are interviewing Samantha Brady, a four-season hiker who works for the White Mountain Observatory on Mount Washington. She's also a part of Search and Rescue. We are interviewing Samantha at Lincoln Woods in the White Mountains. When did you start hiking and why did you start hiking? So I started hiking back in 2011, um, mostly due to the fact that I was working with a woman who was dating a guy who was into hiking and she started talking about her hiking experiences. So I decided I wanted to go out and try it. So for the first time, myself and a friend decided to go to Mount Monadnock in Jaffrey, New Hampshire and attempt Mount Monadnock, which was a really interesting experience given the fact that I had never climbed a mountain in my entire life. I was obviously in jeans and sneakers with a backpack and some bottled water. Uh, but we made it to the top and it was really windy and by the time we got back down it was quite an exciting experience and it definitely made me want to continue moving forward with hiking. Cool, awesome. Have you finished the 4,000 footer list? If so, what is your favorite 4K? If not, what is your favorite out of the ones you've done? So I have finished the 4,000 footer list. I think it was two years ago now. And it's really hard to say what my favorite is because I think I really enjoyed a lot of them or at least the majority of them. I can definitely tell you my least favorite was Owl's Head, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, conveniently being here in Lincoln Woods. But I'd have to say out of all of them, oddly enough, Mount Washington is definitely one that has something really special to my heart, mostly because it was the first mountain I had ever climbed solo, and solo in the winter. So that definitely, I'd have to say, is my favorite, mostly given the fact that I climbed it solo for the first time. Cool. What do you not like about Owl's Head? Owl's Head, I actually had to attempt on several occasions. <laughs> the first time was water crossings that prevented me from moving any further. The second time I attempted it solo and it was actually cobwebs that turned <laughs> me around and I eventually just got sick of, you know, breaking trail. So I got that up and I turned out and gave up on the second time. And then the third time I actually went in with a friend and we did the whole thing. We did the Lincoln Brook cro- crossings, all the water crossings, and they were probably waist deep. Made it to the slide, and as we started going up the slide, we got to the very top. It was wet, it was slick, it had rained the night before. We got to the top of the slide, and the last, like, whatever it is, half a mile, mile to the summit, I just could not wait to get there. And every corner we turned, I just kept saying, where is the summit, where is the summit? And then it was just a little pile of rocks in the woods. So it wasn't too thrilling to have to go through as many feats to get to not so climactic summit. So I'd have to say that was my least favorite. So what lists slash mountains have you done besides the 4Ks? What did you enjoy about them specifically? Um, So on top of the 4,000 footer list, I have also worked on some of the 52 with the view, um, the terrifying 25, uh, and I haven't really specifically dedicated a lot of time to other lists besides the 4,000 footers, mostly due to the fact that I enjoy hiking with friends and 
for me, it's more enjoyable to finish somebody else's list with them um, versus me trying to knock off peaks just for a list. So um, so some of my other favorite mountains, I'd have to say the Bald Faces um, over in Evans Notch. Those are some of my favorites. And East Royce, definitely by far, is one of my favorites. And then some of those mountains over in Evans Notch, I feel, are not as frequently visited as some of the ones in the White Mountains. So those are some of my top favorite places to visit. Have you hiked anywhere in addition to the White Mountains? If so, where? What is your favorite place to hike outside of the White Mountains? So I have hiked in multiple different national parks. Been to all over the country, Mammoth Cave National Park, Rocky Mountain National Park, Grand Canyon, Olympic, the Tetons, Glacier. So I have hiked a lot of the national parks and I have to say the Tetons definitely are my favorite mountains in the country next to the Whites just because of their enormous size and then just the beauty of them and what surrounds them. I have to say hiking wise my favorite place I hiked in the country was Olympic National Park and that's just because you go from the coastline where you can hike along the beach, you can camp on the beach, and then you can go into the rainforest, and you can hike through a rainforest along a beautiful river, and then you can go into the mountains where you're in a almost drier part of their state. Then you have Mount Olympus, which is just a giant mountain with a huge glacier on top of it. So you just have a vast majority of different trails and conditions and environment that you get to hike through in such a small area. So you work at the Mount Washington Observatory. What do you like about it? Do you always hike up to work? Working at the observatory for me is it's pretty enjoyable the majority of the time. I have to say that it's a very unique job in the sense where I'm surrounded by a mountain pretty much every day of my work life from nine to five. My daily discussions at work are revolved around obviously the summit of Mount Washington, how we're gonna get up there, how we're gonna get down, um, what's gonna happen you know, if a thunderstorm rolls through. And I think over time, the weather aspect of it has grown for me, especially being a hiker, because weather is incredibly important when you are out and about especially if you're above tree line and I think that isn't as frequently thought about for a hiker when someone goes up and above tree line they're not necessarily thinking about what sort of cloud am I looking at is that going to cause a thunderstorm is it going to snow or it's 90 degrees in the valley is it going to be snowing on the summit so for me over time that has played a huge part in my hiking ability is knowing the weather conditions based off of my job working alongside meteorologists and learning what sort of thing to look for so that's been really important for me in my career with the observer there have been definitely times that are frustrating working up there mostly when I was a museum attendant up there for eight days on and then six days off dealing with a lot of inexperienced people who would start hiking down in the valley where it's 90 degrees it's sunny it's beautiful and it's snowing on the summit <laughs> or temperatures are 30 degrees winds are blowing 45 miles an hour and have this assumption that once they get to the summit there is transportation back down, which is not always available, especially if the road freezes over or the cog railway is not operating due to winds. So that can be a little frustrating at times, but it's bound to happen. It's the highest peak in the Northeast and it's within 150 miles of many major cities. So that's probably the most frustrating part. As far as getting up and down the mountain, 
I myself work in the valley in North Conway. However, the staff members that work up there and reside up there year-round, so they're up there a week on and then a week off transporting, usually by some sort of vehicle, whether it's a snowcat or in the summertime a van or a truck with chains on the tires uh, once a week on Wednesdays. For myself in the summertime, uh, when I go up to open the museum, being the retail manager and museum manager, we I usually transport in a vehicle. Um, I have been up there though and while living and working up there when I was a museum attendant I used to actually every once in a while actually hike off of the mountain instead of going down in a vehicle so there is that option as well. You are on search and rescue. Um, That must take so much responsibility and courage. What are the biggest difficulties for you as a member of SAR for search and rescue? I joined search and rescue five years ago when I moved up here. I was inspired to want to be a part of those teams, mostly due to the fact that being a hiker, I would hope that someday, if it was me on the other end who was injured and need that help, that there was somebody who was going to be able to do that. Um, So when I moved up here, I joined a team and it definitely is a lot of work. Strength-wise, it requires a lot of mental, physical, and definitely emotional at times. Um, Strength, I'd have to say, being on a search and rescue team. As far as courage, eh, I mean, I guess it depends on what sort of situation you're in. But they specifically, your teammates and the board, usually will sign people up and say, you do what makes you comfortable. So you never really have to put yourself in a situation that is uncomfortable for you. As far as not so good things about search and rescue, just the aspect of having to deal with sometimes fatalities and understanding that those are those are someone's relatives, those are family members, significant others, siblings, those I think are some of the worst aspects of being on search and rescue. I'd have to say the majority of the time it's it's a really good feeling to have to be a part of a team that is all there doing the same thing for the same reason to go out and help someone um, to make sure that that person is brought home safely to their family, to their friends. And it's a really amazing feeling to see the person who's being carried out in a litter, who has been injured, who's been sitting out there for multiple hours waiting for help or multiple hours being carried out until it's over and how thankful that they are for the people who are willing to volunteer their time to come into the woods in the middle of the night and carry them out of the woods for multiple hours on end. So I'd have to say we're all working as a team. We're all happy to be there. We're all dedicated to the person that's injured and needs to get out. In 2014, you were part of Backpacker Magazine's Women's Tour. Can you tell us about your experiences with this? In 2014, I ended up spur of the moment applying for a job for a women's specific tour that was meant to inspire women and educate women on the backcountry and how to get out there and do things on their own and educate them on different and new types of gear specifically dedicated for women. To me, I thought this was an absolute once-in-a-lifetime opportunity where I got to travel the country for five months with my best friend, another female, and we basically lived out of a vehicle for five months and lived out of a tent camping for five months. So on top of educating females on how to 
go out into the backcountry and enjoy it, even at some of the worst times during the month for any female, um, we were also doing it to be able to speak for it. So we hit the road. It was actually three years ago, just this past weekend. So we hit the road and we had 52 presentations we had to give throughout the country at outdoor retailers such as REIs, Bass Pro Shops, um, EMSs, and multiple others throughout the country. We were sponsored, so you know, Osprey Packs sent us each three packs that we got to try and use and then be able to speak for their product. And it's amazing that gear nowadays has come so far, um, especially backpacks. Backpacks were never meant for a women-specific body. And obviously, being a woman, you have a much different shape than males. So backpacks are now more geared towards the fit of a woman's body, the style. For women, I think especially, they want to do overnights, but it's the idea of then being on your period and how do you deal with that and being able to discuss that with females. Um, one of the biggest questions we ever got almost at every presentation was as a female, how do you, how do you feel comfortable going out by yourself? Um, I would love to go out solo hiking or solo backpacking, but w what do you do that makes you more comfortable? And being able to educate women on the things that we did that made us feel comfortable to inspire them to get outside and do it a little bit more. It was a really great feeling. It was a once in a lifetime opportunity and by far I think I took away from it that I learned a lot more than I thought I did originally going into the five month tour. And I still to this day communicate with a lot of women that I've met over the five months who have shown me that they've gone out and taken the next step and that is a great feeling and really inspiring for any other female hiker. So, Have you ever experienced sexism directed towards you on the trail? I wouldn't say directly. I definitely have experienced friends asking me, mostly male friends asking me if I want to go for a hike or do a hike, but then it's always, well, I'm a really fast hiker. How fast mm -hmm. can you hike? And I consider myself a pretty fast hiker. For me, that's always kind of a downfall is having someone question how fast I am because that really shouldn't be the determining factor of whether or not you're going to hike with me. Right. And they the shouldn't just assume that because you're a woman, you might yeah. hike be slower. Them, you know? Exactly. Um, and I do tend to try and hike with a lot of male hikers, mostly because a lot of the times male hikers are the ones that can keep up with me. It, it is just one of those things where you definitely are looked upon, or especially if I'm solo hiking, there are definitely, I notice the looks that you get where people are looking at you as if you're a female on trail by yourself. Why are you doing that? How are you gonna protect yourself sort of thing? And I, I do have other female friends who have written blogs on how they've been treated on the trail. And it's a really unfortunate situation given the fact that women, especially nowadays, are just as capable as doing the things that a male is capable of, if not sometimes more. Um, they can achieve those goals just as easily. And even just alone, I look at being on search and rescue teams. The majority of them are males. And being a female on those teams, I being 
a female who likes to take lead, I tend never to just step back and watch. I usually try and be involved in it. I usually try and do the counts up on three, down on, you know, where no one else is taking that lead. So I feel like if more women were inspired and a little less discouraged to do those types of things, that more females would definitely go out and take the lead and not have to worry about what other people are thinking about them when they are doing that. So definitely a really good point. So tell us about the most memorable animal encounters on the trail. So I tend to think I have really bad luck with wildlife, mostly because I never, ever see wildlife. But last year, during the observatory's annual hike-a-thon, Seek the Peak, I was hiking up Tuckermere Ravine Trail, and right after the first bridge, over to the left, right in the woods, pretty much within maybe 10 feet off the trail, there was a mama moose and a baby moose just grazing. So that was really, really awesome and and like impressive to see. And being so close to them was sort of scary, but really exciting at the same time. Obviously, I just stood there, took a quick picture and then continued walking. So that was really amazing as we just started the hike off. And then as soon as we got into Tuckerman Ravine, as we started heading up the headwall, a bunch of other hikers just had stopped and you could just hear them talking. There's a black bear on the headwall. There's a black bear on the headwall. And, you know, I'm looking around, looking around and I can't see anything. And I start hiking up a little bit further and I turned and I took another look and there it was, sure enough, there was a black bear coming down the headwall of Tuckerman Ravine. Wow. <laughs> um, so I took a picture of that, and he, he or she, whichever it was, was far enough away as to where it wasn't affecting anybody on the trail, and we weren't affecting it. So it was really amazing to be able to, in one hike, see a mo- two moose and a black bear, especially a black bear on the headwall of Tuckerman Ravine. Yeah. Because if you've been in there, you know how steep that headwall That's is. Pretty, so pretty odd. <laughs> I'd have to say that was my most exciting wildlife experience. Do you prefer hiking solo or with a group of people? I like both, and it's totally dependent on you know my mood, what I want to do. If I'm going to do something fairly long or aggressive. I would prefer to do it with other people, mostly due to safety concerns. Um, I would never want to be stuck somewhere with a broken leg by myself, very, very far out. If I'm on a hike I'm very familiar with as far as terrain and trail conditions, location-wise, so Franconia Ridge is typically my go-to solo hike, mostly because I'm very familiar with it. There's a hut up there. I at least know that there's a second option as a bailout. It's not too far in of a hike for rescuers to have to come get me if there is a situation that happens. So typically, if I'm solo hiking, it will be on a trail I know very well. So what's next? So it's not 100% set in stone, but myself and my friend Bonnie, we are hoping to, in January, go to Chile and do some backpacking. (laughs) Yeah, so hopefully, fingers crossed, we haven't set anything in stone. Um, She's 
also another woman who is just amazing to me. She travels the world by herself all the time. Just a really inspiring person. She just got back from Indonesia just a couple months ago. She was out there hiking and backpacking. And when she came back, she already had the bug for the next trip. And her, myself, and another friend of ours, Caitlin, all three of us have talked about going to Chile in January and doing some backpacking. So hopefully that's on the list. Cool. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite food? My favorite food, I'd have to say, is chicken parmesan. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> <I'm> good. <laughs> next to Oreos, but Oreos are my favorite junk food. So, What's your favorite non-hiking-related book? To Kill a Mockingbird. It was a book I read, I think I was a sophomore in high school, and we read the book in, in class and obviously for homework, and then we ended up watching the movie. It was... It had some really good educational aspects to it, you know, as you're growing up and getting older and understanding how life works, I'd have to say. Relatable. Yep. So if you could either fly or be invisible, which one would you choose? I would want to be able to fly, mostly because being invisible, I feel like I would end up hearing too much or seeing too much (laughs) and things I just would not want to. But if I could fly, it would be very similar to being, you know, one of the presidential peaks where you can see a lot of things and see the beauty of the world that surrounds you. So, Dogs or cats? Definitely dogs. I do like cats because they're a little bit more easygoing and a little less maintenance, I guess, so to speak. So that's, I'd have to say dogs, definitely, though. Chips or popcorn? Chips. Unless it's smart food, and then I would pick popcorn (laughs) any day. (laughs) Cheddar or Swiss? Cheddar, definitely. So if you had to pick one, summer hiking or winter hiking in the woods? I always go back and forth. Um... I would have to say summer hiking. I feel like there's a lot of beauty that entails, it's entailed with summer hiking. There's the beautiful alpine flora, the greens, the rivers moving, not so much post hauling through the snow or, you know, rotting conditions or monorail trail or, and then mud. So for me, I'd have to definitely say summer. Despite the cobwebs. Yes, cobwebs. <laughs> I just hike with other people, so. Make them bushwhack through all those cobwebs. Well, thank you so yeah, much for you. meeting us here and participating. It was yes. really great. Thank you for having me. Check out Samantha's blog, A Trail to Self-Discovery, at www.hkemtns.blogspot.com. The preservation of the environment is important if we want to continue having beautiful mountains to hike. We strongly encourage you to donate to Union of Concerned Scientists, or UCS, It is an amazing organization that does important scientific research to help prevent negative effects of climate change. You can learn more about UCS and donate to their organization at ucsusa.org.